Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Okay, we've been in this uh, series that we've called Every Little Thing, and today will be our last day in this series of Every Little Thing. And just so you know where we're going next week, next week we're going to lay out, it's going to be really fun, it'll be kind of exciting, we're going to lay out what are the Kingdom Builders projects for this year, what are we going to be taking on? The numbers are staggering, and your generosity has been staggering, uh, if you would get a chance to see, uh, I'll talk about that next week, but I think you're going to want to be here and be a part of that. Um, we've been in this series called Every Little Thing, and, and we've talked about this idea that there is kind of, um, there's kind of cultural thought, and then there's biblical thought. And as followers of Jesus, our standard is biblical thought. If they ever disagree, if there's ever any conflict, we, we're, we're called to biblical thought. The cultural thought today, one of the cultural thoughts that we've talked about today is that, hey, I've worked for it. I've earned it. I got it with my talents and it's mine. It's mine. We love to say that. I've earned it. It's mine. And that's not really a biblical thought. In fact, the scriptures are contradictory to that in that the Bible says in the Psalms, the heavens are God's, yours, and the earth is God's. Everything in the world is God's because God created it all. And then Paul repeats that when he writes to the Corinthian church, and Paul says this, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything belongs to God. For us to say, that's mine, I earned it, I've I've worked for it, it's mine. That's not a biblical thought. The Bible says that everything belongs to God. And in this series, we've said this, every little thing belongs to God. Every little thing belongs to God. And so week one, we talked about our treasures, our money. We sometimes think, well, I worked for it, I've earned it, it's mine and, and we found out that that's not really true. We looked at the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25, where the master goes on a long journey, and it says this, he entrusts, was the key word, his, his, some monies to his servants. And so the, it, eventually he comes back and says, hey, I'm going to hold you guys accountable. What have you done? And at the end of the day, what we said was this, our big so what, managers, that's us, account to owners, that's God for every little thing. That's our money. We'll account to God. We're answerable to God someday. And then last week, Pastor Heidi, we talked about treasures. Last week, we talked about our time. And that's a weird one because you go, it's my time. It's my time. It's my free time. Every little thing belongs to God. And we saw time in a different light so that by the end of the day, we said this. Time is more than just minutes. Time is opportunity. So when we waste time, we miss opportunities. We waste opportunities. And so this week, we're going to talk about Our talents, treasures belong to God, time belongs to God, talents belong to God. So I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles, Exodus chapter 31, that's where we're going to be today, Exodus chapter 31. If you're pulling up a digital Bible, a digital Bible, if you're home, whether you're in the room or home, if you pull up a digital Bible, uh, you're going to want the New Living Translation. And while you're looking that up, I'll also say, uh, you viewers who are at home, if you're viewing online, uh, punch in on your chat bar. Who's, Who's hosting this service? It's Pastor Vicky. Okay, uh, text me to Pastor Vicky and just say, hey, I'm, I'm tuning in from Burnsville or I'm in Egan or whatever it is. All right, let her know where you're at. Otherwise, Exodus 31, and when you get that, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you would. Genesis, Exodus, second book of the Bible. Again, just a reminder, when we stand, it's not right or wrong. It's just us acknowledging, oh yeah, these aren't just words written on a page. This is God speaking to us. Here it is. I'm starting in verse 1, and it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, the son of Uri, the grandson of Ur of the tribe of Judah. 
I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, giving him ability, giving him expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. Verse 5, he is skilled also in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. Verse 6, and I have personally appointed Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things that I have commanded you to make. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for your word this morning, your holy word. Thank you that you speak. You want to give us instruction. Thank you. Thank you that you don't leave us here on our own. So, Lord, this morning we come and, and very humbly we ask, uh, Holy Spirit, teach us. Speak to us. What, what is it that you would say to each individual in the room and online from this passage? What is it you want us to hear this morning? Give us ears to hear now, Father, and let us hear in a way that will draw us to you and bring you great glory. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So you do know this, that we, we joke about some of the deeper and really important questions of life. And, you know, like one of them is, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it still make a noise? I'm sure there are many of you who, who didn't sleep last night because you're wondering about the tree. Does it make a noise? This is the one that I've been wrestling with quite a bit lately. What would you do for a Klondike bar? I don't know. I don't know what I would do. And then it's this age-old question, which I know a lot of people wrestle with. Who actually did let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? We'd like to know that. But, but there are actually serious questions of life that I think on one level or another... Everybody, everybody wrestles with it. And we're going to answer one of those this morning. You've wrestled with this question if you've been a follower of Jesus all your life. You wrestle with this question with your male or female. You're young or old. Doesn't matter what race or ethnicity you're of. Doesn't even matter whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And by the way, if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, I love the fact that you want to sit in the room for the conversation. You're always welcome. I hope you come back. Same thing if you're online. But this is that question that we've all wrestled with at some level, and that is this. What's my purpose? What's my purpose? And this morning, we're actually going to wrestle with that question and start to move you toward that answer. But I'd like to reframe that question slightly for you this morning, if you're asking that. And that is this. Ask this question. What's my purpose right now? I think that's actually a better question, personally. And the reason is this. What, why, why do we put that question to a 14-year-old? What's your purpose in all of life? I remember getting to college. Some of you have done this. I'm like, I'm 18 or 19 years old. What's your major? I don't know. I don't know what I'm having for breakfast tomorrow. Like, what's my major? What am I going to do for the rest of my life? My life has been kind of one career into my mid-20s, another career into, you know, up to almost late 40s, another career just started, and then, and then it changed slightly at, at about 51 or 52. So, so this is a relevant question. It's relevant to you if you're in junior high. It's relevant to you if you're 85 years old. What is my purpose right now? What is God calling to me to now? And if you'll hang in, just hang in there with me, you're going to find out the dirty little secret of the church and why this is such a big deal when we get to the end. Now, to get there, I want you to start thinking about some things in your head. So just clear your brain for a second. And I want you to start asking questions like this. First of all, start with this in your head. What's something that I'm really good at? It's positive. It's constructive. And I'm actually pretty good at it. 
And not only are you good at it, but what's that thing that's positive and constructive that you're pretty good at and you really love doing? You love doing this thing so much that you could be busy, 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 and this becomes available, and you would make time for it. Not only would you make time for it, but you'd probably spend some money to do it. Like, what is that thing? You're starting to gain some thought. What is that thing? What is that thing that, that you're good at it, and others would most likely affirm you're good at it, Others would affirm it. You enjoy doing it. You don't just enjoy doing it. You are passionate about it. What is, what is that thing? You're starting to focus in and narrow in your thought. What is that thing? You're passionate about it. In fact, when you do that thing that you're good at, that others would affirm that you're good at, that you enjoy, that you would make time to do it, you probably spent money to do it. But when you do that thing, you say, man, It just gives me life. It is life-giving. It energizes me. It fulfills me. We oftentimes say these kinds of things. That's what I'm wired for or that's what I was made for. It's also something that probably other people associate you with. When they think of you, they oftentimes think of this thing. When they think of this thing, they oftentimes think of you. You got something, you've narrowed it down. Okay, now we're going to ask a couple more questions. Number one question is this. Where did that gift, talent, or ability come from? And I think we also ought to ask this question. Why do I have it? Why do I have it? This thing that's in me, it's a skill, talent, ability. It's something I'm good at. Other people affirm that I'm really good at. I love doing it. It fulfills me, right? Where did that come from, and why do I have it? So I want to look at our passage this morning as we start to narrow in on this. Here's where we started in Exodus 31. You can keep your Bibles open. You should know this. First of all, let me back up and just give you a little bit of context and history. When you're in the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus is first and foremost primarily about the Israelites as slaves in Egypt. They were slaves under the Egyptians. They they all came to, to Egypt because there was a famine and they began to proliferate there. Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, his sons all came and they began to proliferate and populate into a great nation so much so that they were threatening to the Egyptians and the Egyptians said, we'll make them our slaves. That'll keep them all under control. And they just kept growing and just kept growing and God raises up Moses and Moses says to Pharaoh, you know, let my people go and Pharaoh says no and God brings the plagues onto Pharaoh and finally Pharaoh relents and he lets the Israelites go. They were so excited that when the Israelites left, that not only did they let them go, but they sent them off with a lot of their valuables just so they'd go. And so the Israelites walk out, led by Moses, they walk out of Israel. And many of you remember the story how they crossed the Red Sea. God took care of them. They crossed the Red Sea. And now they're headed out into the wilderness and they've been gone only about two months. They've been out of Egypt. They've been gone about two months and they come to the wilderness of Sinai. And when they get to the wilderness of Sinai, they camp right up against the base of of Mount Sinai. And as they're at Mount Sinai, right, that's where Moses has to go up and he has to appear before God at Mount Sinai. And and God says, Moses, here's the skinny. If your people, if you and those people will do as I've commanded, if you follow my instructions, follow after me, I'll keep the covenant that I made with Abraham. I'll bless you. 
you'll be my nation, my chosen nation. You'll be the jewel among all other nations if you'll keep my commandments. And then he starts to lay out all the commandments. And yeah, we have the Ten Commandments, but that's just a small part of all the instruction, what we sometimes call the law that God gave them. The Ten Commandments are just a small part. And God starts to lay it all out for them. And in chapters 22 and in chapters 23, you see that. And then you get to chapter 24. And in chapter 24, this, this has all been taken to the people. And the people say, yes, we agree. Yes, we will keep these commands. Yes, we'll be God's chosen people. Now, just footnote, and you should just always note this when you're reading your Bible. Watch how God treats the nation of Israel after, Gen- after Exodus uh, chapter 24. Because now that they've been to Sinai, and now that he's given them all the instruction, I'm telling you, the gloves come off. Because God has said, I told you everything, and you said yes. You've agreed to be my people. Now God will deal with them more harshly when they get out of line. And finally, God says, look, Here's what I want you to do. I want you, finally, he, he's telling them all that, all that they need to do. He says, t- the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings now. They're going to bring me these special offerings. And I want you to accept the contributions from all whose hearts are, are, are moved to offer them. The people are going to bring me offerings. That's what he says. And then he goes on and he says, have the people of Israel, now you got to watch this, I want them to build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. This is a sanctuary. Now we call this room sometimes a sanctuary, sometimes we call it an auditorium. There's nothing magical about this room. We, we don't live in the temple anymore. But this sanctuary is where we come to meet. This sanctuary is a place where God would dwell. That's what he's talking about to Moses. And he says here, you must build this tabernacle. That's the sanctuary he's talking about. The tabernacle is like the temple, but it's portable. The temple was built in Jerusalem. They're still traveling across the wilderness. So this is a portable type of temple. This is where God would dwell. And he says, here's the task at hand. You got to build this tabernacle and its furnishings. Get ready for this. Exactly according to the pattern that I'm going to show you. I want you to build this thing. This is the task at hand, Moses. You need to build this for me. And then he goes into all great detail. And he talks to him about the, the, the dimensions and how, how it's supposed to be built and the height and the width and all this. And he talks about all the things that are going to be inside it. There's a special table. There's a special lampstand. There's a special altar for incense. He talks about the priests and what the priests are going to wear. And he lays it all out for them. Got it? Here's what you need to get from this. There is a task at hand. God has given Moses the task. The task right now is to build the tabernacle. God's been very clear about it. God has a plan. Then he says this when you get to 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Ur of the tribe of Judah. I have specifically chosen Bezalel. That's what I've done. Now, P.S. Bezalel is a great name, don't you think? Bezalel is one of those names uh, I have a friend, Quentin, and I have a friend, Quinn, and they don't know each other. But Quentin and Quinn, and you may know people like this. What do we always call them? It's just Q. It's just Q. I'm asking somebody, Laquez. Your name should just be Q. This is B. This is Bezalel. I would just call him B. How many, uh, because I'm curious, raise your hand if your name is Bezalel. Two up here, three more in the balcony, five, six. We got about ten. So it's a common name. If, if, if you have a kid, name your kid Bezalel. This is a great name. But here's what you need to get from this. Bezalel has been specifically chosen by God, right? Then it goes on. It says this. Furthermore, God says, I have filled Bezalel, B, with the Spirit. He's been specifically chosen, and he's been filled with the Spirit of God, which does what? Well, it gives Bezalel great wisdom, great ability, and great expertise in all kinds of crafts. You with me? 
He's specifically chosen. He's filled him with his Holy Spirit. The filling of his Holy Spirit gives him this great wisdom, this great ability, and this great expertise in all kinds of crafts. It goes on, and it says, he's a master craftsman. He's an expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled. You're getting the picture in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. He's specifically chosen. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's giving all these skills, talents, abilities. And I have personally appointed, so this is interesting to me, I have personally appointed Aholiab, son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. Thank you, Lord, for the name Dan. Don't you like that when you're reading the Bible names? You go, hey, Dan, hey, Ben, these things are good, right? And he's to be his assistant, which also tells us this, that Bezalel is also skilled at mentoring, that he can take an apprentice and he can also teach him this skill, right? Now, here's what we know so far about B, specifically chosen by God. I'm just going to keep pointing these things out. He's specifically chosen by God. He is filled with God's spirit. And that filling gives him wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of areas. Okay, just heads up for just a minute. You don't have to remember Bezalel. You don't have to remember anybody's names. Here's what you need to know. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, listen to me in the room. If you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I've committed my life to Jesus, these same things are true of you, these exact same things. You have been specifically chosen. Paul tells us that over and over in the New Testament, in particular in Ephesians, you've been specifically chosen by God. You may not get that sometimes. You've been specifically chosen. Furthermore, Romans chapter 8, you have been filled with God's Spirit. The filling of God's Spirit will also give you wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of areas, skills, different skills. Some of you have different skills than others. They've been given to you by God. These are not spiritual gifts yet. We're not talking, because some people are like, are we talking about spiritual gifts? No, just skills, talents, abilities. They were given to you by God. He's specifically chosen you, and he's filled you with his Holy Spirit. Okay? Now this passage goes on, Exodus 31. It says, moreover, I've given special skill to all the craftsmen, There are a lot of craftsmen. God has given them all very many special skills. Why? So that they can make, this is interesting to me, so they can make all the things I've commanded you to make. Now, now did you catch that? Moses, I've given you this task. There's this very important task. I'm very clear about it. I'm very specific about it. This is exactly what I want to get done. Therefore, I gave them skills. Like, isn't that interesting? And so when I read that, it took me right to Ephesians chapter 4, because there's a passage in Ephesians 4 where Paul writes, and it says this. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. These are the gifts that exist in the church. It's what we call the fivefold ministry gifts. I've given apostles. I've given prophets. I've given evangelists. I've given pastors and teachers. Those are the fivefold gifts of the church, the fivefold ministries of the church. He says, I've given these to the church. Just hang on. Their responsibility, these pastors, these teachers, these evangelists, these prophets, their responsibility is what? Well, first of all, I'm I'm in the role of a pastor, but the only gift I got, I got in the short line, I got one gift. This is the only thing I know how to do is teach. That's it. It's the only thing I know how to do. And I've taught forever, and I've taught in a variety of capacities, right? I mean, not just here in the church. It's just, it's the way I'm wired. So, Neil, your role then is to, to lead the church, to build the church. That's, that's what you're supposed to do, Neil. You're supposed to build up the church. Anybody who's a pastor, that's their role. They're, that's their responsibility. They're supposed to... Watch what he says. Their responsibility, these pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, right, is this, to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. 
That, that's your work. That's not my job. It's the body of Christ. God gave us the task of making disciples. That's the, that's the task at hand for the kingdom. And God has, has made me to equip you. God has made our pastoral staff to equip you. Now, watch how significant this is and how big a deal it is when we do this. Because this is going to continue until we come to such a unity when we exercise our gifts, talents, abilities, strengths, all those things. That there, it will come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord. We'll measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Like, that's the role of the people in the church. That's your role, is to build up the church. We say our, our mission here is to make disciples, and we say it this way, to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Right, we're going to build up the church. That's your role. God has filled you with his Holy Spirit. He has specifically chosen you. He has given you wisdom and knowledge and gifts and talents and abilities to be used to that end. And so the principle is this, that God's gifts in God's people are for God's work. Do you want to know what your purpose is? Your purpose is to use your gifts the way that God has skilled you, given you ability for God's work. Now, I like this passage where Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, and Paul says this, and many of you would know this, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Some of you, if, you, if you're like me, and you originally learned this in an older translation, for it is by Grace, we said. Remember, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Salvation is an act of grace. It is the gift of God. You can't earn it. But here's the deal. You do have to profess faith in Christ. You do have to surrender your life. It's not just like, oh, and I'll give some for you, and everybody gets some. No, it's free, and it's for all. For those who believe, you've surrendered your life. This isn't a cognitive activity. This is a life of surrender. I've surrendered my life to Christ. I've, I've committed my life to Christ. You can't take credit for it. And then when you get to verse 10, I love this. For we are God's masterpiece. Now just, just stop. Just take this in a minute. Because I know, I know you hear lies in your head all the time because I hear some of the same lies. I get that. you God's ma- do, do you hear that? Just shh. You are God's masterpiece. I love this because in the ancient Greek, the word is poema. And poema means this. You are God's sweet poem. If I was going to have a daughter today, I would name her Poema. Call her a little Popo. That's what I call her. <laughs> but you are a sweet poem. Have you ever thought of that? Is that, is that just mind-numbing? Because I know some of you are listening to the lies of the enemy, and he tells you you're dirt, and, and we actually believe that sometime. God says, no, 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 child, you're my masterpiece. You're my sweet workmanship. You're my little popo. That's what you are. And here's what's so cool about this. He says he's created us anew in Christ. I can't help but think of the Apostle Paul, who we read in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 10. Paul's just strolling around Jerusalem looking for folks to drag into jail. He goes to the high priest in, in Acts 10. Our, our CV group, we were studying this this last week, which I loved it. All right, he, he's... Uh, He's going to the high priest in Damascus, and he's asking for letters that Paul can take with him and head to Damascus. And he's, he's going to go to the synagogues there, and he wants to drag people out. He wants a, a letter of authority. This was Paul, the terrible guy. And then Paul becomes the author of two-thirds of the New Testament. He was radically converted. He became anew in Christ. And so I think it's really poignant that when Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5, he says this, Therefore, if any man is any woman is 
in Christ. They are a new creation. It says the old is gone and the new is here. If anybody knew that and experienced that, nobody experienced it like Paul did. Paul was ISIS before there was ISIS. That's literally what he was. And so when Paul says it here, man, he's created us anew in Christ. He also wrote this letter to the Ephesians. Now, here would be the question to ask. I wonder why he did that. Why, why did God just freely give salvation to anyone who believed? Like, what, what, what's God up to? Okay, so here it is. He's going to answer it. So that we can do the good things that God planned for us to do long ago. Did you know that before you ever surrendered your life to Jesus... God had already chosen you, but did you know that he had also already been planning things for you to do? And so when you came to Christ, he filled you with his Holy Spirit. You've been given gifts, talents, abilities. And here's a crazy thing. We've got so many different gifts, talents, and abilities in this room. I mean, endless list. I was just trying to think of some. Some of you are really handy. Like you're mechanical, you're handy, you are good with your hands, and you just think that way. I love it because he talks about that they've been given wisdom, like just like Bezalel had been given wisdom to do this. This last week, uh, Pastor Amos and Crystal, you know, we showed up, at, it was about a week ago, we showed up at your house. And I don't know if you even recognize this, but we showed up at their house to help them move in. And I show up like, you know, whatever, I'm, I'll show up, I'll help. Did you notice when Tony showed up, Tony's out of town, Tony's our business administrator, and, you know, when Tony showed up, he has this, <laughs> some of you have probably have this, it just, I didn't even know that people have these. It's the coolest, it's like this bucket. And it's got this cool little cover inside of it. It's got little tools. I'm like, people have tools? I don't, even, like, I don't know what you do with the tool. I got a few tools, and they're really shiny. I mean, really shiny. Like, I, I don't even know what you do with them. But he just thinks that way. And so he shows, Tony's like really skilled at woodcrafting. Like, he's just good, good to his hands. Some of you are like that. Okay, start asking this question. How would I use that to further God's kingdom? See, how would I use that gift to bring glory to God? Because you may use it at work, and your work may be where you use it to bring glory to God. Because you may be speaking God's truth at work, but I'm just saying some of you are skilled that way. Start asking the question. Some of you are really good at domestic type of skills, men and women. You know how to cook. You know how to sew. Some of you may knit. That's awesome. Here's the question. How would I use that gift to further God's kingdom? Where did that gift come from? It came from God. Now, how do I use it to bring glory to God? I don't know. That, that, that's yours to wrestle with. Some of you are just good at those kinds of things. Some of you today have really cool computer tech skills. Like, you're really good with computers and techie things, right? We have a host of volunteers every morning. They work in the sound booth. They work up in here. They're on video cameras. There's staff that you don't even see during the week, and they're editing things and doing all that kinds of stuff. Like maybe you're one of those people and you're just good with those kinds of skills. Great, awesome, I don't have them, but I think if you do, you should start to ask this question. I might use it at work, blah, 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 blah. How would I use it to further God's kingdom? How would I use it to give God glory? How would I use it to serve, right? Some of you have athletic skills. That's another gift I wish I'd have gotten. Some of you have athletic skills. Like you're really skilled athletically. Uh, I know a young man in this church today who's, who uh, played Division I college basketball, and he still, still has hopes and dreams and goals of making the NBA. And he's, he's, he's working out regularly right now trying to make a G League team in their developmental league. And he's written, I want to use this skill to bring God glory in whatever context I step into. 
See, some of you have those skills. And at your school, how would you use that gift, talent, or ability to bring glory to God, to further the kingdom of God? God's the one who gave it to you. God's work and God's people, right? Like, that's what it's for. Some of you might have that. Some of you may go on someday to coach. You say, man, I love the sport. I still want to be around it. You may coach. All right, how would you use that position to bring glory to God? How would you do that? How would you use that? See, some of you are really good. You're, 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 you're creative. Some of you are just really creative. Like, like writing-wise, drawing-wise, you might paint. Like you're musical. You're really creative. God has blessed you that way, and he has given you those skills and abilities. That's awesome. Here's a question you ought to start asking. How would I use that to further God's kingdom? See, how would I use that to further the kingdom of God? How, how would I use that? That's a question you should ask. Some of you are just, your personalities, you're warm and inviting. That's just what you are. You're warm and inviting. You're around people and people say, man, I just, all of a sudden, I just feel better about me. And you have this really unique way of just showing the love of God and introducing them to God. Right? How would I use that? How would I use that? I, I know this. We have greeters at the doors in all services. Inside doors, outside doors, in the lobby. Some of you should be doing that. Some of you, please, please don't volunteer for that. You just shouldn't. You shouldn't. But some of you, you're wired that way, man. You're just magnetic. You're just attractive to people like that. Think what that would mean to somebody who visits a church for the first time and they were to meet you or someone like you. Some of you, are, you're good at teaching. You just know how to explain things. You're really good at it. Awesome. How would I use that to further the kingdom of God? How would I use that gift? Some of you, you're, you're, you're good with kids. You're good at dealing with kids. I don't know what your gift is, but I know that when we were talking earlier, God has put something in you. Okay, that's awesome. How would I use that? So let me get you the big so what this morning, and that is this. Just if you knew, just know this. This is in case you fell asleep. Now you can wake up and you didn't miss a thing, right? God's gifts, God's glory, our gain. And this is the dirty secret that I want you to get from the church this morning. They're God's gifts, and when we use them, God gets the glory. But here's the kicker. You and I get the gain, and I'm going to tell you why. Because remember the questions that I asked you at the very beginning? I said, man, what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? What would you make time for? What would you create time for? You probably spent some money on it. You're passionate about it, right? But it's fulfilling, it's fulfilling. I'm just telling you this. If you've never done this, you just got to trust me. You just got to believe me on this one. When you use the gifts that God gives you and you use them for God's glory, yeah, God gets the glory. But I'm telling you, you're never jacked up like that. You just never are. You say, man, this is why I was made. This is what I'm doing. Some of you do that outside the church. Some of you do it inside the church. I, I, I say this all the time. This is the only thing I know how to do. And I'm not awesome at it, but I'm a decent teacher. It's the only gift I got. I got nothing else. You got to trust me on that. Zero. Some of you are like, hey, you don't have to convince me. I got it. I need it, you know. I'm just telling you this. I, I, don't, and let's just not tell the board. Don't tell the board this. I promise you this. I do it for free. If I wasn't getting paid, I just volunteer for the staff and say, hey, every once in a while can I teach? Because I never feel alive like when I teach the Word of God. And I've taught a lot of different things. I've taught a lot of different things. I've taught public high schools. I coached. Right? I coached high school basketball. I coached college basketball. Coaching is like teaching on steroids. Because every Friday night, folks pack a gym to see how good a teacher you are. I loved it. This, I do this for free. 
It's the way I'm wired. It's how God made me. It's why I have the gifts, talents, and abilities that God gave me. For God's glory, right? You're the one who gains. I think it's always funny that church folk always think, oh, you just try to get us to church, serve at the church because you, you, you got stuff that gets done. I'm like, well, we do. We do have stuff to get done. But it's for your gain. See, you're the one who wins. So I'm gonna give you the big so what this morning because I wanna make this as simple as I can for you. I really do. I wanna make it as simple. I just wanna help you get this whole thing started, right? So step one would be this. Text join a team to 77411. Just, just text that. Pull out your smartphone and text that. When you text that to the church, and do that whether you're here. Listen, if you're viewing online and this is your church, this is your church, right? So if you text that in, join the team to 77411, you're gonna set, get sent a link that will take you to our webpage that lays out all the volunteer opportunities that we have. I mean, all of them. I'm, I'm telling you, we got two services every Sunday. We need greeters and ushers at, at all the doors. We need greeters. Now, let me just say this and I'm gonna botch this and say this wrong, so just nobody get offended. But the reality is, in particular, during this COVID time, do you know who's done all the heavy lifting at our church? 50 plus. Not, not exclusively, but the 50 plus, the folks that are supposed to be at the highest risk, they don't miss a Sunday at their door. I don't want them to go away I want them to stay there. But you know that we say this, we are a multi-generational church and I am so proud of the fact. You, you know that in today, there are age groups that are, we just, we just wanna worship with young people like us. We just wanna worship with old people like us. Our church says, we're, we're all gonna do this together. And I love that, right? It's one of the great things. So I don't want, I don't want our seniors who stand at the door are 50 plus, you know, to stay with them. I don't want them ever to go away. But how come the younger generation doesn't join them? You ought to be standing there with them. And it communicates this when new people walk in. Oh, right on. This is a multi-generation church. Love that. Right? We got folks that volunteer in the tech booths, those services. We got folks right now that you will never see unless you have small children and they volunteer in Tiny Valley. What if people just started getting a vision for it, man? And they just said, hey, we had so many people volunteering, you just go, I'll do one Sunday a month. I'm like, I'm sorry, we're full right now. What if that were to happen? What if you just said, I'll do one Sunday a month at the door, one service, one Sunday a month, right? We got people that volunteer with our youth. Some of you had, I volunteered with youth for 12 years. I loved it, I loved it. And then and I just found out like, you know how you, you figured that thing out like in your life where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm too old now. And I came home from my last retreat with kids at the church we were attending. Kimmy says, how was the retreat? And I'm like, I think we get too old. She goes, really, what do you mean? And I said, I chewed the guys in my room out. I'm like, hey, it's getting late now. We're all going to bed. Everybody be quiet. And they're like, grandpa, it's only 8.30. We don't get started till 9.30. Yeah. Some of you got it. Some of you just good. Think about what that would mean to a 15 year old kid that you were that you're volunteering with. Do you know this? Do you know that the number one factor determining whether a child will own their faith after high school or not. Did you know this? It's the adult relationships, the adult Christian relationships that they have that are not their parents. You, you guys know this. You're good parents. You can say something to your kids and your kids look at you like, somebody else says it and they run home to you. They go, mom and dad, do you know what this person said? Like, I've been telling you that forever. What if you volunteer with the youth? So you text 77411, 
We're gonna send you a link. It just gets you started. Now listen, some of you already got your gifts figured out and you're using them. This is the easiest way for you to get started, okay? So that's number one. And then number two, I don't know what happened to our screen. There we go, number two. Show up for Next Step. Next Step runs every Sunday. It's live, it's in the building. It's every Sunday at 1045. The only week that it doesn't run is if there's a fifth Sunday. It is a series of four classes. But one of those classes is specifically, you do an assessment. You do an assessment of, hey, what are you interested in? And it helps you figure out what is your spiritual gift? What are your giftings? What are your talents? What are your abilities? So just show up. You don't even have to register. It doesn't even cost. It's at 1045. It's kind of on this side. It's down the stairs, right? You'll see Pastor Jonas and Pastor Vicky. Just show up for that. It's the greatest help. So so we're going to close in prayer, but let me just say this before we close. Some of you can't get there yet. You can't get there yet. You can't experience that the way that God designed you to experience. You know why? Because you've never surrendered your life. You've never committed your life to Christ. So you can't feel that kind of fulfillment that some of us are blessed to feel. You can't feel that because, because you haven't committed your life to Christ yet. He's the creator. He's the one who gives the gifts. They're for his glory. And so this morning, before we close, I want to show you how to do it. And I just want to tell you this. It, in concept, it's very easy. And I just remember this, ABC. Just always remember this, ABC. You have to acknowledge your sinfulness, God. You have to believe that Jesus died for your sins. And then you have to commit your life. You have to surrender your life to him. So I'm asking you to bow your heads. Father, this morning, we thank you that you've given us talents and abilities and skills and that they're for your glory. And when we use them for your glory, God, you turn around and bless us. We're the ones who get to experience the joy and the fulfillment. So thank you for that. And Father, for those who are in the room this morning who've never surrendered their life to you, Lord, I want to give them this opportunity. If that's you this morning, you could just pray. If you're serious about it, you could pray this prayer silently as I prayed out loud. God, I acknowledge my sinfulness. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I have sinned, and I acknowledge that. I confess it. And this morning, I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins, that you raised from the dead and validated that you were God and were worthy to die for my sins. I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. And then, Jesus, I commit the rest of my days to you, to living for you, as you would lead me, as you would guide me, doing what you desire. Today I commit my life to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. 